Hello and welcome to the Q York podcast. It's great to have you with us today and we hope that as you listen, you'll be inspired as we continue on our shared quest together. This podcast is entirely free and yet it's not cheap to put together and wouldn't be possible without the generosity of our supporters. So if you consider yourself a supporter of Q, then please head to qyork.co.uk and hit donate to show your support today because there really is no Q without you. Thank you and enjoy today's message. What's that? Which that one? Good morning, everybody. It's a great start, eh? Brand new day. So good to see you. Um, thank you for getting up. And uh, I'm glad it wasn't last week when the clocks changed. So you were very kind to you. Uh, but we thought we'd give this a shot having... You know, this is the only fifth time that we will have met in, in a whole year, which is really sad. And I do apologize for all this. You know, as soon as we can get rid of that, we will. Uh, and I wish we didn't have it because it would be lovely to see your faces. But thank you for putting up with that. But we are going to try and pick up some momentum uh, by, as Danny said on the uh, opening video, meeting at this time every week for the foreseeable future or until we think we can do something better but we are going to continue to build community as hopefully we come out of all the lockdown stuff. Yes? yes? So, yeah, um, it's also nice to, kind of, it's a little bit dark out there, but it's nicer to see you, even though you've got these on, than it is sat looking at myself in a, in a camera every week. Now, one thing about that that's, that is good news, our clientele across the world has grown massively, uh, since we started producing our weekly talk online for them. So we have a lot, lot of followers now that we didn't have before, uh, which actually makes us look quite small here compared to who we're talking to. Uh, but we will continue and uh, try to, to pull whatever we're doing together so that we can best express what we think is, is, is going to help us develop and grow for the future. Um, I also found it interesting doing a lot of reflection that um, the Royal Mint were very, very generous when we switched to Q because they actually produced the 10p coin in our honour, uh, which was rather fascinating and I, I'm very appreciative that the government would, uh, would give authority for that to happen. Now, I don't know if any of you have seen it or not seen it, but there was a coin came out 2018 when we were switching that actually was the Q coin and this is it. And uh, actually, as I've been thinking while we've been away, this says everything that I want to say about Q. See, although it was designed because we British have a penchant for queuing, which we really love, that's why it's there, actually. Um, you know, we, we seem to like to have a good queue, you know, and we don't like people who don't queue properly. I mean, it's frustrating when you're not in England. You ought to try the airports in India. Uh, I mean, that is just an, another story. But, but uh, what I see actually is, you know, I believe in something called prophetic, which means that stuff happens uh, that I believe is driven by God in the world, by the divine that makes stuff happen, that says, you're doing okay, this is it, keep going. And what it says to me, this, you see, men, women, and children, is that Q exists for people to pass through and attain a different understanding because somebody facilitated an environment where we could question 
all the things that by dogma we have been told we could never address. So for people already in, 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 in church, people already uh, in institutionalized Christianity, people not in Christianity, wherever you may sit, Q is a place I want people to be able to pass through on their way to release and truth and blessing and understanding and a great life and to bring life to the world. Now, that's not a great formula for building a big church because the principle is passing through rather than, rather than imprisoning within the walls. Now, yeah, we'll, we'll take and look after as many as we can, but our real essence is to make a place where you can pass through and in doing so, address those issues and questions that come up in our minds about ourselves and the world and humanity and God and spirituality and the Bible and all those things, and we're there to facilitate it. So this is what we're doing. We're letting you pass through queue, and hopefully today we'll be part of that wonderful experience. So bless you, thanks for being here, and I hope you enjoy the rest of the day. How awesome was that? Okay, I'm going to split um, what I want to talk to you about today into two parts. Um, partly because we haven't got any provision for the kids and uh, don't want them to have to sit in just one long block of talking. But there are some things that I think would be good to share on this Easter Sunday. I think the videos are at the center of my talks today of which there are three, make me feel a little bit like I'm setting the stage for a, for a joke that would go something like a Buddhist, a puffer fish, and a sound engineer walk into a bar. I want to use these three things as, as parables of principle. I'm fascinated the more I deconstruct some of my I believe restrictive ideas that I had growing up in the faith that I hold very dearly that led me to misbelieve some things. It's very fascinating to me that Jesus, in essence, never preached from the Bible. He did mention it and he did quote the Torah, the Hebrew Bible, but he never actually preached from the Bible. So if you think about it, when we quote Jesus' parables, there were stories that he was telling, not from the Bible, but to bring some essence of understanding about ourselves and the divine and God and, and, and the hereafter and, and truth. And so I'm, I'm no longer, um, I no longer feel guilty about not specifically trying to put everything out of a biblical passage. Now, I will quote and will use, and I love the Bible, but in essence, I think there is much that can be learned from these parables that we are bringing to you through these videos to help make a wonderful point today about the cross and resurrection. And you might ask, I know for some of you, particularly who've maybe been around a long time like me, uh, why on this holiest of Christian festivals... Would you be crazy enough to use a Buddhist practice as the start out for a talk? And believe me, there's plenty of people who uh, will feel in God's name they can troll and abuse me for doing things like this. But you need to know I've got three reasons for doing it. First of all, because I want to, and I'm the boss, so I can. 
And it's really good. Because regardless of your concepts of Buddhism, and I am not a Buddhist, and there are things that I would disagree with in Buddhism, there are universal truths that transcend the stupid little boundaries that we try to place that it's only our truth and it's only what we know when there are universal truths because there has been a conversation going on between humanity about the divine and about all the things we are wrestling with since the beginning of time. Secondly, because the God of many Christians is too small for me, the God that used to be my God as a Christian is way too small for me now. In, in my view, what has happened, sadly, is that this God that I thought I knew at one time in my life has been recreated in the form of my own pettiness. So if you think about it, we speak all these niceties, but at the end of it, there is a God who's very petty and judgmental and watching over you for the smallest of mistakes, but he does love you and he did send his son to die for you, but you better be really careful because that love does not actually cover everything. It only covers what you agree to, to respond to and react to. Uh, and if you do, that love reaches you. But other than that, we, we have something that in our church days has been labeled eternal conscious torment. And so for finite things in life you would be damned for an infinite period of time. We don't even treat criminals that way. And therefore I refuse to be molded in a shape that gives that small and petty idea of God. The third reason I use this is because unconsciously, through that understanding of God, we limited the reach of grace... And the levels of inclusivity which I believe are intrinsic to the gospel. Jesus' death was not meant to be the starting point for a new exclusive religion, but you would think so by a lot of the ways that we have treated it. I believe it was meant to be the death of one. And uh, in fact, I think it was meant to be the death of all religions, to be honest. I think that's the problem when we institutionalise this beyond us truth, we get a problem and it's called religion. But I believe Jesus' death was to destroy all religion, to bring us to a situation of relationship where we could walk a journey with learning to understand who God is and what that means to us. The mandala. The mandala embodies uh, religion and tradition. <coughs> Excuse me, it's not corona. <coughs> Just tickly throat. A mandala is, is a symbol of the universe in its ideal form. And so if you watch the video, they created this absolutely beautiful mosaic of sand that, that nobody could ever question its beauty and its magnificence in its created form, but it's just made out of sand, and to the Buddhist, that is a symbol of the universe in its ideal form. You see, we, 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 might, we might reject that idea, but we're all of this idealistic view of what the world should be, what life should be. And what happens, you see, at the end is after they've created that thing of beauty, they destroy it. 
so that your faith is not in the idealistic thing that you did to create this thing that's not real, that was just made out of sand, it is destroyed. <coughs> you say, why would we destroy something so beautiful? Well, one of the Buddhist principles, which I say is universal, is that clinging to anything is a recipe for suffering. Now, there's a universal truth. I could give you Bible verses on it. Clinging to anything is a recipe for suffering. And that's part of the principle of the mandala. This is beautiful, but it has to die. There are some of you in here today. The answer or the beginning of the answer to your journey in life right now is to understand that what you are clinging to is destroying you. The judgments, the condemnations, the hurts, they are destroying you. Whatever you cling to is a recipe for suffering, and so they destroy it. They don't cling to it. Now, if you think about clinging, finish this sentence. I was left clinging on for... Go on, tell me, for... See, you all know it. So we cling on to things, and yet our own psyche uses clinging on in that dimension. I was only clinging on for dear life. <coughs> the only time we cling on to anything in life is when we fear we're going to suffer loss or believe death or injury await us if we let go. Don't tell me you believe in the power of the resurrection if that's your approach. Because the whole story of the resurrection was Jesus, I will not cling to the mandala that has been my life, that has been created beautifully for you to see, but now we're going to wipe it away. Why? Because you'll cling to an image. You'll cling to an idealism and you will not put your trust in something bigger than yourself. You will just replace it with an image. As we look at the story of the cross, the truth is we are witnessing a letting go. We're witnessing the story of a man who, in the essence of the journey, could have had a long and lasting career, politically, militarily. Every Jew would have followed him, believing he was the Messiah, for the sole reason of them overcoming the Romans, and them defeating the Romans, and them being the power instead of the power that was the power. But instead, Jesus dies. What was that? The mandala of the life that we call Jesus was wiped away. Same principle. Universal. It's a story of letting go. The cross is about letting go. If you want to have an Easter experience, let that Easter experience be one of letting go of all the nonsense and the distrustful things that we put ourselves towards that do not solve the issues going on in our lives. So is there a lesson there? The lesson is that in letting go, we reverse the natural order of things. Because you see, you don't let go of life, there can be no resurrection. Without Jesus letting go of life on Good Friday, there could be no resurrection on Easter Sunday. The letting go does not bring you to a place of death, it opens up the way for you to come to a place of life. <coughs> but you've got to let go first. Let go of the stuff. Let it go. Yeah, but it's hurt me. Let it go. 
If you don't know how bad it's been, let it go. If you explain for a thousand years how bad it's been and how much it hurts you and how difficult it is, it will never solve anything. Let it go. Easter says, die. That's why, to put it into Bible terms, it says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. And yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. It's about letting go. It's as much that Buddhist principle as it is this Christian principle. Life and not death is the outcome. The mandala shows the beauty that lies within the simplicity of grains of sand taking order when their purpose is focused on healing and re-energizing the world. It's just... Sand. But look what it becomes. That which is beauty then goes into death, not by clinging to life, and that is the only way that it can rise again. And when those monks did that, they were saying, it is finished. And when the Jesus I believe was the Son of God, gave his life on the cross, he said, it is finished. Same thing, if you can catch that today, you are on the beginnings of the road to a wonderful resurrection. Okay. So having had the mandala, we now bring the puff of puffer fish into the bar. I love what he said, nowhere in nature, nowhere else in nature does an animal construct something as complex and perfect as we witnessed. I actually think nowhere in the history of humanity does any human construct something as complex and perfect as we witness in the expression of God in the Christ. The purpose that he did it, that puff of fish, wasn't it amazing? I mean, seriously, purpose, attracting a mate, <clears throat> so that puffer love can do its thing. And what we're offered in the cross is God's version of puffer love, the creation of something beautiful that is attractive. I love what he said, that when he does that, if this doesn't get him noticed, nothing will. <clears throat> And there is, a, there is a, a, an element of the issue of the cross and the resurrection that if that is God trying to speak to the world, if this didn't get him noticed, nothing will. But may I say to you that remarkably it has got him noticed. And so we get to partake in a bit of puffer love, the God love that comes because of that. It's interesting as well that the puffer must work 24 hours a day for a week or the current in the ocean, will destroy his creation. Isn't it fascinating that we, in this period we're in, we talk about Holy Week, 24 hours a day for a week, or the current might wash it away. And this, this is why I'm telling you these parallels of truth, that that Holy Week that the church celebrates was really the same principle of somebody working 24 hours a day for a week, so the current didn't destroy what was being created, and that culminates in this expression of the cross and the empty tomb, which is God's version of puffer love. I know you want some puffer love, don't you? Some of you look as though you could use a little puffer love. 
I love as well with its final tidy up. He says, with its final tidy up, the masterpiece is complete. I'd use another word. With the, with, the, with the last final tidy up, the masterpiece is finished. Isn't it therefore fascinating that the last words of Jesus on the cross were, it is finished. It was the last little tidy up and the masterpiece is finished. There's something to be grasped in all of this. See, you might say with the puffer fish, it's just a symbol. You, you might say with the cross, and I'm fine with that. It's just a symbol. But it's a symbol that says something. Okay, so what about the sound engineer? Because we've got our, our Buddhist, our puffer fish and sound engineer going to a bar. <clears throat> what about the sound engineer? That last one shows us form created by nothing but sound. Did you also notice that all three of these, the ingredient that is used to create the beauty is sand? It's just sand. Grains of sand that somehow are no longer seen as just grains of sand because now something made them form something incredibly beautiful. And, and what we saw there with the sound, did you see the sand making those patterns? It's called cymatic patterns. And simply what happens is the vibration creates waveforms that cause the sand to take shape. Nobody does that by hand. In the beginning, we had the mandala. It's created by the artistry of someone's hand. In the puffer fish, we have it created by the tail of a fish, an aquatic creature. In this one, we have it created simply by the vibration of sound that causes forms to emerge that you think, aha, that's ridiculous. And it is, but it's real and it's true. Question, if that happens to sand, does it happen to cells? There's some fascinating fields of um, examination and scientific exploration which are trying to discover whether what happens to the sand when you introduce the right sound happens to cells in your body, in my body, when the right sound is introduced. Fascinating. I want you to notice that nothing changes in this, but the change occurs only and each time that the sand hears a different sound. So every time that same sand hears a different sound, it formulates within the sand a different pattern. It, it can be deemed to me nothing less than miraculous. I look at that and think, that's just ridiculous. It's just miraculous. A, a better word that I, I might use today would be transformative. When it hears this sound, there is a transformative process takes place. It is transforming just sand into structures and forms that relate beauty and order and completeness to us. And it's just sound and it's just sand. Who would have thought that such beauty and synchronicity and perfection can come from just sand and sound. Or clay and confession. See, sound causes form. 
And guess what? The Bible says that from the beginning. Sound causes form. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and God said, let there be. What is the Bible trying to do? Is it trying to push a religious concept upon us, or is it simply explaining to us from the ancient writers of those books what happens when you hear the right sound, and that right sound touches the sand or touches the clay, life begins to come, but it's all about clay and confession. It's all about sand and sound. If that was true from the beginning, and these ancient minds speaking to relate the truth of God were telling that to us, would it not be true today? That the clay of your life, remember we were made in the Bible story out of clay. That clay and confession might actually do something as ridiculous and as marvellous as what you saw in that puffer fish, in that symbiotic movement of the sand, in the creation, in your life today. And it's all there right from the very beginning. The sound that you hear determines the form that you take. Now, I can make this as, as, as spiritual or as unspiritual as you wish, but it's true from either end of the thing. The sound that you hear determines the form that you take. Get a hold of this today. The sound that you hear determines the form that you take. The form of your life has been formed by the sound that you hear. And some of that sound's coming from inside you, from your head telling you stuff, and your life conforms to what your mind is saying and your shape is not that beauty, it's not that wonder, it's not that order, it's disorder because it responds to the sound. And so what I wanted to get through to you today as we look at all these different forms of working, everyone with sand, everyone creative, everyone bringing beauty, everyone bringing life out of death, everyone giving a message of resurrection and supporting the story that is Easter. That sound makes substance of things not seen. You can't see it in just the sand. You just pour out the sand, you can't see it. But when the sound hits the sand, that's when the difference occurs. And interestingly enough, there's, there's a verse in the Bible, two verses in the Bible in Hebrews chapter 11, that says, Now faith makes substance of things hoped for, and is the evidence of things not seen. Now, I appreciate if you were not raised in the disciplines I were raised in, that might sound very complex and very different, but it says when faith accepts the sound that is being released, that touches something you hope for, and it becomes an evidence of things not seen. The pattern's not there until the sound hits the sand, and when the sound hits the sand, the pattern emerges. And there is a sound about Easter that if it hits your sand, Verse 3 of that same chapter says, By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, the sound, so that things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. It was not constructed and manufactured. It happened because the sound hit the sand. You and I are the sand today. We sit here today simply a mass of cells. Sometimes those cells disordered. Sometimes the cells com contained within our mind and in our heart and in our spirit, not just in our physical body, get disordered. 
And what are they waiting for? They're waiting for the sound. Why? Because the sound that you hear determines the form that you take. You've got to be listening to the sound. That's why Jesus said you have ears but you don't hear. You have eyes you don't see. Why did he focus so much on ears? Because he said if you hear the sound and the sound hits your sand, your life will change. Easter has a sound. And within that sound is the power to transform. And it's not just the common thing that people would say, oh, the problem is you're all sinners and God isn't and God wants to kill you, but he decided to kill his son instead. I find that now an abhorrent explanation of what the gospel is, that God had to beat up his son really badly because of you, because you're so bad. I would never dream of beating up my son really badly because his sister was so bad. (laughs) You just wouldn't. And it's time sometimes to stop and think and say, I understand why we concluded those thoughts and most of it comes from the abhorrent doctrine of, of introduced by a guy called Augustine called original sin that whether you like it or not you're full of sin whether you like it or not now we can have a conversation debate and on Wednesday when I do my talk because now I've got to shift it to Wednesday that goes out online I will address some of those issues I'm not going to do it fully here today but what if that's not the starting point What if there's another understanding of the story? What if actually this God who is love actually is love and doesn't start from the premise of, oh, I can't even look at you and talk to you. You're so disgusting. Because that's what some versions of the preaching of the gospel will tell you. What if he's the one with open arms? What if he's the one who says, okay, we're going to fix this, we're going to fix this, we're going to fix this. And his love actually is universal and comprehensive and and it flows to you and it flows to me and that all he's trying to do is saying, let my sound hit your sand. Let my sound hit your sand. And when it hits your sand, that order that you long for will come. But maybe first you've got to be the Buddhist who doesn't hang on, who doesn't hold on to and let it die in the form of Jesus today. Let it, let it rise in the resurrection because Easter has a sound and the power to transform is in that sound. Can you hear the sound of Easter today? Can you hear it? I hope you can. It says stop clinging on to. It says death is not the end. So you don't need to worry about not clinging on to because there's something beyond that and it's actually called life. And you don't get that life by clinging on to all that stuff you're clinging on to. Let it go. And I love that it says you start where he finished. How many of you are old enough to remember a guy called Magnus Magnusson? No, he wasn't a Viking raider who came to York in 710. He was the guy who originally was the host of Mastermind. And he had a phrase which has carried on, but it was Magnuson who first introduced it. If the buzzer went while he was in the middle of a question, he would say, I've started, so I'll finish. How many of you have heard that phrase since then? I've started, so I'll finish. That was Magnuson. But you see, that's inverted in the sound of the cross. 
And instead of I started so I've finished, it becomes I've finished so you can start. The whole thing gets inverted because the cross is about removing that and saying this is finished so you can start. And all of those sounds that come from Christ and the cross are telling us that. The sand that is your life will be transformed when you stop clinging on to, when you let ego die, because we've got lots of that going on, when you find the love, the puffer love, the true puffer love, and when you yield to the sound, it will heal and energize you and empower you to heal and energize the world around you. That's the sound of Easter. And if you let it hit your sand today, it will give shape to your life, the likes of which you never imagined. And it comes to you wrapped in love. So I would say this. Do it in your heart. Commit to it. Let it go. Receive the life. But it would finish something like this. A Buddhist, a puffer fish, and a sound engineer walked into a bar and said, Jesus, fancy meeting you here. <laughs> See what I did there? Thanks for listening to another Q York podcast. If you've been inspired by what you've heard today, then why not email us at info at qyork.co.uk and let us know who you are and where you're listening from. We love that you're listening to us and we'd love to hear from you too. Did you know you can also watch all of the talks from Q on our YouTube channel? Just go to youtube.com forward slash qchurchyork. We look forward to having you with us again soon. Until then, enjoy the quest.